Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, or you can open that Bible app, but I want to invite you to join me in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10. Now, today we're going to be talking about the spiritual warfare all around us, and some of you are thinking, oh, I love this topic, and others of you are thinking, where's the exit door? But uh, as we've been studying through the book of Daniel together, this is where we find ourselves, and we're talking today uh, about the spiritual warfare all around us. So, I, I know that in some places this might not be popular, but I believe that not only is God real, the devil is also very real. I believe that there are angels, I believe that there are demons, I believe that sometimes we are in the midst of conflicts that we don't have eyes to see what's actually going on around us. And so today my hope is that God's word allows us to see just that. Now, uh, before we get into the passage today... I want to tell you about a situation that happened about 10 years ago now. It was a bright, sunny, peaceful uh, spring afternoon, and I was in my office in the church working on some things. Out of nowhere, 15, 20 police cars come screaming into the neighborhood. They surround the block just south of us between 94th and 95th Street, and, and they all jump out of their cars, and they're kind of talking to each other in these loud voices, and they're searching around the area, looking in people's backyards. Well, I'm curious, and I'm thinking, what's going on? Maybe I should go out and talk to these guys. And so I get up from my desk, and I go out the, the front door. A couple of the officers see me, and they say, Sir, you need to get back inside. And I'm like, well, I just want to know what's going on. And they say, Sir, get back inside. It's not safe to be out here. Well, I go back inside. It's not long before I also hear... This helicopter circling and circling and circling. A couple of officers have dogs as well, and they are sniffing around all over the place. And this is going on for quite a while, maybe 20 minutes. And then I hear somebody say, hey, we found him. He's over here. And about three houses down, they surround this porch. And a few minutes later, out crawls a young man whom they immediately apprehend. After everything kind of settles down, I find out later that there were two men involved in an armed robbery at a store just a couple of blocks down the street. But, but thanks to the fast response of the officers, they were able to catch the suspects, find the weapons, and recover the stolen property. But I think about how we can often be so casual about things in life until we realize that there is a very real danger. And that changes then the way that we respond. Now, I think that all of us would take certain precautions and try to stay safe if we knew that we were in a very, had a very real threat, a very real problem that, that was close by. But what if we were, what if I were to tell you that there is an enemy who is trying to take you out 24 seven, every hour of every day? And a door that is locked and shut is not going to keep him out. He is way too powerful to be chained up and to be controlled like that. Now, the fact is that I believe that some of the things that we are struggling with today, uh, personally in our lives and in the world around us, are a result of living in a fallen world. We are fallen people and we live in a fallen world. But I also believe that some of the conflicts that you and I are facing 
might be spiritual in nature. I believe that the quickest way to lose a battle is to forget that you are in a war. Let me say that again. I believe that the quickest way to lose a battle, especially when it comes to a spiritual, uh, it comes to spiritual matters, is to forget that you are in a war. I mean, you, you could never imagine people in the U.S. Army military uh, going into war in another country. And when they land with all their gear on and everything else, uh, they, they just kind of set it down and they decide to go on a tourist trip shopping up and down Main Street. You, you don't imagine that ever happening because you know that you're in the midst of a war and you don't play around when you're at war. Well, friends, I just want you to know something here that we are at war. We're at war and it's not just with the enemies around us that we can see with our physical eyes. You've been, we've been reading through the book of Daniel and the prophet Daniel is now living in the second empire that he has been involved in since he was exiled from his home. And now he's living under the rule of the Persian empire with a king by the name of Cyrus. Now we have a picture uh, this morning, an artist's rendition of what Cyrus may have looked like, but after all of the crazy kings that Daniel has served under, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius... And now he has King Cyrus, and actually he, King Cyrus is going to let the Jewish people, the Israelites, go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city walls. Friends, listen, this is the first governmental leader who has helped out the people of God in decades. I'm talking decades of this. And so... They're finally getting to go back. Daniel stays in Persia, maybe because of his age, maybe because of his position in order to help people out. We, we don't know exactly why, but there are a lot of people who get to go back to Jerusalem. And now Daniel is getting word that there are these disputes. He's getting word that there are disagreements between the people who are in Jerusalem. In fact, if you've ever read the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, you know that this trip wasn't an easy one to take for the people of God. There was conflict all over the place. Daniel is getting these messages about all of these physical, this physical opposition. But what's great about this is that God allows him to see what's going on behind the scenes of what's really happening, what's really taking place. Your Bible is open to Daniel chapter 10. I want to begin reading there in verse 1. Here's what it says. In the third year of Cyrus... Uh, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. The, the word was true, and it was gr a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. For the full three weeks. Now, you want us to stop there for a second. And I, I'm thinking that some of you are probably thinking, there's no way that I could ever do that. I, I mean, if you have teenagers in your household, imagine three weeks without any food. I, I mean, it's just not going to happen. No chance, right? I, I want us to understand what's going on here before we get into this vision. 
there is this remnant of people who have returned from Persia to uh, Jerusalem. But Daniel has been getting, uh, been, been greatly burdened by this news of all this conflict that's been going on. There, there are these Jewish people who have been allowed to return to Jerusalem in order to rebuild things. But Daniel has gotten word that things are not going as well as he had hoped. He had external opposition. Uh, neighboring nations are trying to slow things down for them. Uh, they, they also had this internal opposition. The, the God's people are starting to complain and murmur and criticize the process. And I know that you've never uh, known any people of God to do anything like that, but that's what Daniel is experiencing. You know, it's one thing when we have these external conflicts, people outside of us coming against us. But what happens when the people of God can't get along with each other? There's this backbiting and there is this complaining and this is, they're overwhelmed by each other. Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, they're all on the ground in Jerusalem. They're trying to get God's work done, but they're feeling all of this pressure. And Daniel gets news about all of this and he is mourning, he is fasting, he is weeping. He is crying out to the Lord in prayer. And for three weeks, he, he, it's like he's kind of on this retreat trying to make every effort that he possibly can in order to discern God's direction here. You think about this once. Uh, many of us might struggle to fast for three hours. Here's Daniel and he is fasting for three weeks. And every time that his stomach starts to say, what are you doing? It's this call to prayer. And he is weeping. He is fasting. He is mourning. He is saying, God, why is all of this stuff happening? I, I, I don't want you to miss this here. It's like he's saying, God, after 70 years, you've given us some relief. After 70 years, we're getting to move back into our land. We're getting back to the temple where we're being able to rebuild and establish the temple and the city walls. And we're the people of God again after 70 years of having some success. And now this? Why? And so he's praying and he's fasting. Now, what's interesting here, as we've been going through the book of Daniel, the last few times that he has prayed, an angel has showed up almost immediately, right? It's like, you've got to get there right now, tell him that everything's going to be okay. But now, in this situation, Daniel is sitting there for three weeks, and why is that? Why is the response not nearly as quick as it was the last time? Well... Keep reading here in verse 4. We, we see this vision that God gives him, and it says this. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the banks bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my, up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphes around his waist. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes were flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me uh, did not see the vision, but a great, a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. Uh, so I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was 
fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the, the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I lifted, uh, I, I, le- I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So Daniel's praying, he's fasting. God, what's going on? God, why aren't you showing up? Would you please get us out of these circumstances? We have suffered for 70 years. Now we're finally getting a political leader who is going to help us out. Can you please let us have some good days here? It's in the midst of this that God gives Daniel this vision. We're not told directly who this person in the vision is, but as you read this, you read uh, places like uh, Revelation, and you can see that there are a lot of characteristics of this being that are similar to the risen Savior, the risen Christ in Revelation. We have an artist's rendition of that, that we're going to kind of put on the screen here so that you can maybe picture some of this a bit, but... This is a glorious, magnificent figure that is pretty awe-inspiring when you think about it. I mean, he is dressed in gold and bronze, fine linen and all sorts of jewels. He is surrounded by lightning and torches, and he has this thunderous voice. Honestly, it sounds just like Jesus in the book of Revelation. And so, while the text doesn't tell us for sure, and there are people who would debate this, I think that this is a picture of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. I, I think that what Daniel is seeing here is, in this vision of this blazing, glorious figure is Jesus, the Son of God, who has come to take away the sin of the world. Uh, don't miss this, because God often does this in the Scriptures. Someone will say, hey, why, God? Why? And he says, look at me, look at me. You think of Job who says, why God? And God says, look at me. Or Joseph, why God? Look at me. Hannah, why God? Right here, look at me. Friends, God doesn't always feel inclined to answer all of our questions right here and now. Sometimes the best answer to our questions is for God to say, look at me. You know, God helps us not by showing us more of, of our circumstances, but by revealing more of himself. What, what's so incredibly powerful about this moment is that Daniel wants to know, why are all these things going on? And God says, hey, just look at me. Be in awe of me. Be inspired by me. Be overwhelmed by me. That you're literally falling down on your face because you don't know what to do. God says, I want you to be in that position. And Daniel says, listen, trust me, I was in that position. He falls down. He's overwhelmed. Let's be honest. I I think that this is important for us too. Because for many of us, the past few months have just worn us out. Whether it be COVID or politics or the unrest in our world, we feel overwhelmed. One thing that you will notice throughout the scriptures is that God never glosses over these issues, but he does try to put you in the right perspective of what's going on. So I think that it's perfectly fine to be concerned about COVID. That's okay. But but you need to realize that God is a greater healer than any vaccine. He is a greater healer than any doctor, any supplements might be. Please hear me. I am not trying to tell you to be irresponsible. What I am saying is that we need to keep things in the proper perspective here. 
You need to look at all the craziness in our politics, all the unrest in our world, uh, all of the unrest right here in our own city. Is there drama all around us? Yes, you better believe that there is. There is very real drama, but at the same time, God is sovereign. He's in control of it all. In the midst of all of this unrest and these people who are divided, God is above it all. He is in control. And sometimes we say, God, can you give me an answer about all of the crazy things that are going on around me? And he just says, look at me. Look at me. Now, I love how verses 7 through 9, Daniel describes how there were these men and they don't see this vision, but they run And then he falls down and he's overwhelmed. His colors changed and he feels undone. You know, I think that this is so important for us to see because I think that a lot of times we think, you know what, when I come to worship, I need to walk away feeling better about myself. But listen, friends, if you always walk away from worship feeling better about yourself, you may not be worshiping. Now, I know that some of you hear me say that and you say, well, I want to be encouraged today. Listen, I want you to be encouraged today as well, but I want you to be encouraged about something that is worth being encouraged about. And so if you leave this place feeling better about yourself, maybe you have missed it. Because if you see God for who he truly is, you know what? We're we're not always going to leave feeling better about ourselves. We're going to leave feeling better about him. We will see him for how great and glorious he really is. You know, honestly, I think that often we are far too casual in the way that we approach God. I know that God is near us, but what's amazing to me is the fact that he is so righteous and holy and glorious, and yet he wants to be near us and around us, and that is what should overwhelm us at times. It doesn't mean that we stand at a distance from him, but we need to put things in the proper perspective. Right now, we are in the presence of the one who has given his life, who has sustained our breath, who has uh, provided us redemption. Do we think that he should be honored that we have decided to spend a couple of hours in this building or on a live stream? We shouldn't be thinking, God, I, 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 I showed up today. Look at how amazing I am. Instead, we should be saying, why in the world would you ever speak to a person like me? Daniel is face down. He is overwhelmed by what was taking place here. Verse 10, God is going to reveal to Daniel this conflict. And I think that he chooses to do it in this moment, in this way. Before he shows Daniel the conflict, he wants to make sure that he understands who is with him, who his God is, who's uh, walking before him, behind him, and beside him. And so we pick it up, verse 10, and here's here's the conflict that Daniel sees. It says this, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. 
And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When, I, when he had spoken to me, According to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O Lord, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Now, this is a little confusing. And I think that one of the most alarming things about this is that in the last few chapters, when Daniel prays, the angel shows up right away. But this time the angel says, you know what? I left when you uh, when you started to pray. I left to come to you, but it took me 21 days to get here. And you think, well, what was going on? What took him so long? And he tells us what happened right here in the text. He says that the prince of Persia was holding him back. You say, well, wait a second. The prince of a nation is holding back an angel from coming to Daniel? Uh, That doesn't make any sense. Well, again, we read in verse uh, 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, and uh, we, we know the name Michael from, uh, as being a type of being in the Bible that's described as an angel, but he's called a prince here. And, and so this angel uh, tells Daniel that Michael, an angel who's a prince, uh, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. What? Uh, there's only one man who is the king of Persia. But now there is a, we have a prince and we have another prince who is a, a, an angel and we have all of these kings. What's going on here? Well, this language here is similar to Ephesians chapter 2, which uh, talks about, the, the, about spiritual beings as princes and kings, as rulers and authorities. And this is mind-boggling. But what's being described here is that Daniel prays and this angel comes out to help him. And on the way, he gets stopped by these demonic forces for 21 days before he gets to answer him. Does that seem a little bit odd to you? Well, it does to me. You mean to tell me that there was some type of demonic activity that would actually stop an angel and it took him 21 days to get there while Daniel is suffering and then all of a sudden another angel has to come in and double team these demons before they can get out of there. Is that what you're saying? Apparently. Now, when we read this, it's, it's helping us to understand that behind every earthly battle, there is a spiritual war that is raging that we cannot see. That the battle is bigger than what's right in front of our eyes. Uh, Daniel and these other Jewish leaders thought that the neighboring nations around them were making life difficult for God's people. But what God reveals to Daniel in this vision is that there is a spiritual dimension to this as well. 
And it's not like God is being stopped here, but I think that it's, that it's a possibility that what's going on here is that he is allowing this conflict to happen in order to teach a number of people a bigger lesson. I believe that there are spiritual battles going on all around us all of the time, spiritual battles going on in this room even right now. I'm not trying to scare you, but I believe that if Satan had his way, I wouldn't be able to preach this message right now. You wouldn't be able to listen or hear this message right now. And I know that this might sound a little strange, but I think that there are angels who are watching over and protecting the people of God in this moment. Now, there is a conflict going on here in this story between an angel and a demon, and the angel can't get to where he wants to go for 21 days. In fact, he has to call for backup in order to get through this conflict. And some of you are wondering, well, I wonder what that must have looked like. I I mean, I love to watch these war movies. I wonder what this battle must have looked like. Well, I have no idea, but I do know that there's something very significant that's going on here. And I even know that there have been times personally in my life where I have experienced tremendous help and tremendous conflict. Now, I remember a time when I was a young boy, uh, we uh, all piled into the family car uh, for Sunday morning and we headed off to church. And so we're driving down these backcountry roads and it had snowed the night before quite a bit. And so there was a lot of snow still on the roads. I mean, the city would never get out to plow these back roads uh, till days later, and, and they hadn't been plowed. We, we hit this icy patch, and we go off the road into this ditch that's about three feet deep. And so we're sitting there in the car in the middle of nowhere, kind of shaken up, and this older gentleman pulls up in a pickup truck, a big pickup truck, He has a rope in the back of his truck. He pulls us out of the ditch. No trouble at all. Uh, Icy road, snow-covered road, didn't matter. He easily pulled us up out of the the ditch. And and he and my dad kind of looked at our car, checked it out, make sure everything is okay. Nothing was wrong with the car. Well, my dad comes back to the car, the back to the driver's side door to make sure that we're okay. And the next thing we know... This truck had just kind of pulled off and, and, and was totally gone. I mean, I mean, none of us even remember him leaving. We didn't see him go. And, and, and you might say, well, you were so shaken up that you, don't really, you didn't really notice this old man just slowly driving away down the road. And I have to admit that could be true. But Hebrews chapter 13 says that sometimes we are entertaining angels and we are unaware of it. That we're not even aware that sometimes God sends his messengers around us to help us and to encourage us. I also know that there have been times in my own life and the lives of other people that I've been talking to where it has been very clear that there are things that have been going on in life that we can see. But that at the same time, it is so clear that I get this sense that it's so much bigger than that. There are things going on behind the scenes. Well, Daniel gets a picture of what this looks like, and what's interesting here is that this angel gets held up, and he actually is waiting for backup. And, and, and I picture this, my mind goes to sports, and today is the Super Bowl between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, and we have a picture of this, but I, I want you to think about this once. I mean, there are 11 guys who are out on the football field at each time. 
and one team is trying to score. The other team is trying to stop them from scoring. Now, if there's one person on the offensive side of the ball who's really good, the defense is maybe going to put like three, two, three players on that one guy trying to guard him, trying to stop him. He's really good, and they don't want him to score. Well, I think that that's what's going on here with Daniel and the people of God, that they are getting back to the promised land. They are making progress as a nation. And all of a sudden, this demonic activity is getting so bad that people are getting double teamed, triple teamed, and other angels are having to come in and help out because there is this progress that's being made. Verses 13 and following, it talks about the kings of Persia. This is, a, uh, this is the government that Daniel is serving under in this moment. And what, what we see here is that there is ac- there, there's actually demonic activity going on behind the scenes uh, of these government leaders who are in charge. Which sounds kind of shocking, uh, can sound kind of shocking to us. But the, the spiritual battle that's going on around us even involves those who are in authority, high-ranking officials, and government leaders. Now... Some of you conspiracy theorists might be thinking, well, I knew it. That leader, that administration that I don't like, they have a demon in them, and, and, and my side has an angel with it. Well, uh, I want to remind you that the people of God, the Israelites, the, the first king that they had was tormented by an evil spirit himself. Friends, I believe that demonic activity is very real, and I also believe that demons are often going after people who are doing the most good rather than doing the most damage. And you say, well, Jason, which world leaders today, which political figures are being influenced by demons today? And I would say all of them, all of them. And sometimes it's blatant and other times it's very subtle that, that you don't see it coming, that, that you don't see uh, what's going on even in your own personal life. There, there's this conflict that's been, that you've been having with this uh, person in your life that maybe that you work with and you just think it's because they're a difficult person, right? Or, or there's these issues in your marriage and between you and your spouse and it's because you just think, well, it's because my spouse doesn't realize that I'm always right. Or, or you think about the issues that are going on with your physical health and you're experiencing all of these physical things and yet it's keeping you from spiritual matters. Well, wake up, friends. Friends, sometimes there is a battle that is going on that you don't even see. And so Daniel finally had a political leader make a decision to help the people of God. And it would have been so easy to say, well, good news, Cyrus is benefiting us. But the struggle continues, the battle rages on, the conflict doesn't stop. And I think that God is reminding Daniel and his people, we need to keep trust, you need to keep trusting in me. Uh, uh, Come to me, pray to me, don't put all of your hope in man, don't put all of your hope in flawed politicians. Yes, they're letting you go back and rebuild some things, but the battle's not over yet. And so Daniel, in this moment, sees what is happening uh, to these government leaders. He understands that even his prayer life is being affected by this. But I want you to see here the encouragement that he receives beginning in verse 18. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. 
Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends on my side against those who except Michael, your prince. He's saying, you know what? I want to encourage you. It's going to be all right. I have another battle that I've got to get to. There's another government that's going to come and take over in a few decades the Greek uh, army, the Greek empire. And and that battle starts today. But don't worry because Michael and uh, our friends are going to get together and they're going to fight for you. They're going to fight uh, for God's people. They're going to fight for God's agenda. You just need to realize that there is a much bigger battle that's going on around you that you can't even see with your physical eyes. Now, I love the word that uh, this angel gives to um, Daniel in order to encourage him. Verse 19, he says, Daniel, I just need to remind you that you are greatly loved. That that no matter what is happening in the world around you, God loves you greatly. He goes on to say, and and I love how beautiful this is. He says, fear not. Have peace. You are stronger than you think you are. Have courage today regardless of the circumstances that you're in because God is with you. And if you're here this morning and you feel like you're in a battle, I want you to know something, that you are greatly loved, that you don't have to fear, that you are not alone, that you can be strengthened, you can experience a peace in life right now because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Friends, the battle is constantly going on. It's continually moving and shifting. But we can have a confidence because God is sovereign. He is in control and we can trust in him. We can trust in his plans. Now, just as a way of application here, I want to talk a little bit about this spiritual battle. And I think that there are two dangers that people often can fall into. First, some people think that there is a demon behind every problem that they have. But, but that's, not, that's just not true. Some of the problems that you have in life is because of the decisions that you have made. But I think that there are some people who give demons far too much credit, far too much attention. They, they think more about demons than they think about God. And, and so there are some issues in life that we can't blame on anybody except for ourselves. But I'll also say this. That while a demon probably isn't behind all of your problems, I can guarantee you that it is behind some of your problems. Have you ever considered that, that maybe some of the conflict that you're going through could, ha- could be a spiritual warfare? It could be demonic. It, it could be that Satan's kingdom sees you advancing and they don't like it. We need to open our eyes. We need to realize that some of the conflict that we experience in life is spiritual in nature. And so what do we do about this spiritual battle? Well, we don't fight a spiritual battle by physical means. And so as we wrap this up today, I want to just remind us of what the Apostle Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. He says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take, up, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We have been given defensive weapons. We've been given offensive weapons, the word of God and the prayers of God's people. And we can move forward with confidence because it's not our armor, but it is God's armor. We don't fight spiritual battles by physical means. We get in the word. We get on our knees and we seek him for support in areas of our lives as we move forward accomplishing God's work. Let's pray.